time this morning uh, at our 930 service. Praise God. Look what God has done in a pandemic. Moved us to a to, from one service to two services. Amen. From a 930 till 11 o'clock. Amen. And I just want to tell you that what I'm going to share with you this morning. You're going to have to just catch this by revelation. You're going to have to just agree as soon as I give you the title. Because if you try to figure it out, your mind's going to keep you stuck. Amen. So this morning, this is what I want to talk about. God wants you to prosper. Yeah. That's what I want. I want to talk. She said, she said, we're getting ready to see a new thing. God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life. And I came by to tell you this morning, God wants you to prosper. Somebody ought to say that. Somebody ought to say, God wants me to prosper. Now, you said that for me. The next time you ought to say it for you. Go ahead and say it for you. Say it like you mean it. Come on, say it one more time so you can believe it. God wants you to prosper. I am telling you, God wants you to prosper. It was so interesting because on last Monday, uh, the Lord gave me what to talk about at the 930 service on Monday. Uh, And I assumed that that's what we were going to talk about over here. But then on Tuesday, he gave me a whole nother message for you because he knew that you needed to hear this this morning. And so he said, I want you to read these scriptures. And there was two particular scriptures I read. And after I read these two scriptures, I started jotting down why God wants me to prosper. And so this morning, I'm not going to take a long time, but I want to share with you these points on why it is necessary for God to impress up on you the need for you to allow him to cause you to prosper. The first scripture I want to look at, and I don't know if they have it back there, but they can pull it up pretty quick, is Isaiah 41 and 10. Isaiah 41 and 10. We read it this morning when we were doing the early service, but I want to to insert this into my notes for this morning. It's Isaiah 41 uh, and verse 10. And when they get that pulled up, I want you to, I want you to look at it. Pastor Sean uh, encouraged the people this morning who were on the live broadcast to take this word and to literally read it. She said five to seven times a day. And then I said for the next seven days. How many know you got time for the word? Yeah. Somebody say that. Say, I have time for the word. You, if you don't have time for the word, then what ends up happening is you will get your time filled with something that doesn't produce what you want. I say it again. Say, I have time for the word. So let's look here. Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. This is the Lord speaking. He says, be not what? Dismayed, for I am what? Your God. He says, I will strengthen you, yea, I will do what? Help thee, yea, I will do what? Uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. The next verse, verse 11, goes on to say, he said that that right hand that I have is full of justice, is full of mercy, it is full of victory and of salvation. And when I began to read that, the Lord began to say to me that you can have multiple plans to prosper. You can have ideas to prosper. You can have goals to prosper. But unless you know it's my will for you to prosper, you'll always struggle. 
and then I thought about what he said over there in Hebrews. He says that we must, those who come to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says, you got to believe in your heart. It's my job to prosper you. He says, until you can get that issue down, every time something comes along that's not working the way you thought it would work, it's going to slow you down. And so then I went to Philippians 4, which is one of our favorite scriptures, but I want to read it. I think they have it back there. Philippians 4, 6 in the Passion Translation. Here's what it says. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. It says, be saturated in what? Prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overwhelming gratitude. Tell him what? Every detail of your life. You know the problem with some of you guys, and I don't mean to offend you, you spend your day complaining rather than telling God what you need. Amen. You spend your day telling God what's wrong rather than thanking him for everything he's made right. Amen. And the problem with the body of Christ right now is that the enemy is presenting lots of opportunities for you to tell the world what's wrong. But God says, literally, don't be pulled in different directions. Don't come to church on Sunday and hear you get the power to over the, the power to overcome the temptation to quit. Don't come to church on Sunday and hear God wants you to prosper and then spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday being discouraged by what you see in the world. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. say, I am, I am. Steadfast, steadfast, unmovable, unmovable. and firmly planted. Amen. And as I'm being firmly planted, he says, saturate yourself in prayer throughout the day. So when you find yourself thinking about your problems, that's when you ought to pray. Amen. When, you find, when, when you find yourself wondering how you're going to pay the bill, that's when you ought to give God some praise. Hallelujah. When you find yourself wondering whether they're going to call you back for the second interview because you desperately need the job, that's when you ought to get up and remind God of everything he's done for you in the past and begin to thank him for what he's done in the future. He says, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests, not your fear-based prayers. He says, don't come into me crying about what I'm going to do. God, if you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I'm not going to make it. You, listen, I love what happened this morning. I don't know if you guys saw it on the broadcast, but there was a lady on there talking about how she was pleading with God. And Pastor Sean was saying, that's the problem. We don't plead with God. We don't beg of God. We use our what? Faith field request. When we talk to God, we say, God, here's what you said. Here's what you promised me. God, I'm giving you back your word. And as I give you back your word, I know that you said in your word that if your word was to fail, you cease being God. And today you are still God. So I'm still believing your word. It's a faithful request before God with overwhelming gratitude. Why? Because when I start to speak like that, I get excited about God. You want to know why Chris gets excited when she sings? Because she's thinking about God. You know why she says, come on and give him some praise? Because she wants you to be excited about God. You know why I'm preaching the way I'm preaching? Because I want you to be excited about God. Why? Because if you don't get excited about God for your life, you're not going to be excited. I'm excited about God, whether it's going good or whether it's going bad. The apostle Paul says, I've learned to be a base, so I learned to abound. But in all things, I give God praise. He says, so God, so he says, so use your faith-filled request before God with overwhelming gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. You ain't got to hide nothing from God. Why? Because you can't hide nothing from God. So you might as well tell him everything you need. And then I like what it says in the New Living Translation. 
In the New Living Translation, he says it like this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. <laughs> Tell God what you need and do what? Thank him. Why? Somebody ought to give God some praise this morning. Somebody ought to praise God like it's already done. Somebody ought to believe God enough to say, you know what? I don't care what it feels like today. I know what my bank account says, but I know what God said. I'm going to choose to praise God in spite of. He's telling your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, don't worry about anything. Say, pray about everything. Say, and tell God what you need. Then thank him because it's already done. <laughs> thank him because it's already done. I'm telling you, God wants you to prosper. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me in 3 John 2, in, 3 John 2, in the King James Version, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest do what? Prosper and what? Be in health even as your soul prospers, your mind, your will, your emotion, your imagination, and your intellect. He says it is the will of God for you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. Scripture is filled with the confirmation that God wants you indeed to prosper. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. God, God gives no glory, gives no glory. Out, of your lack. out of your lack. I don't care what nobody tells you. God gives no glory out of your lack. You are not living pious. You are not living holy because you can't pay your bills. You are not living holy or pious because you're sick and racked with pain in your body and can't receive your healing. God does not get any satisfaction out of your lack. Jesus died so that you could have an abundant life. In every single area. Our motto at our church is we are a church teaching you how to do what? Walk in love, live by faith so you can experience in where? Tell your neighbor, say, God wants me blessed. So I want to give you these seven reasons why God wants you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. Number one, God wants you to prosper because God wants to bless you. God likes being good to his children. I know that is a difficult concept for so many of us because we did not grow up with good fathers. We did not grow up with people who got joy out of seeing us happy. But I am telling you, God is a father who wants to see you blessed because it does indeed give him joy. That's a hard concept for people to get, but I need you to say, I need you to say this out loud. Say, say, it is God's good pleasure, God's good pleasure to, give me the kingdom. to give me the kingdom. I ain't making that up. That's what the word says. He said, it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to see you prosper. It makes him happy when you're doing well. So God is not withholding from you. In fact, the Bible says it like this. It says no good thing will God withhold from them that walk upright. So God says when you are acting and behaving and living as my child, there is no good thing I will withhold from you. The Bible says in Psalms 35 and 27, it says, let them shout for joy. Some of y'all still remember. I'm going to do that again. Psalms 35, 27 says, let them shout for joy. Glory to God and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified with has what? Pleasure. The Lord takes pleasure in what? The prosperity of those who serve. I like that. In me. 
Not just a certain in me. He takes, I can't talk about anybody else. He takes joy in my prosperity. And when we talk about prosperity, we're not just talking about money. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. But we are talking about money. We ain't just talking about money, but we are talking about money. We're not one of them churches that believe we don't need no finances and then turn around and ask people for finances. No, we believe in finances. But we believe in healthy relationships. We believe in health in our body. We believe in living righteous. We believe in doing what's right by God. Amen. Total life prosperity. He says the Lord takes pleasure in that. Clearly God wants our bills paid. Clearly God wants your needs met. Clearly God wants your family blessed. That should should go without saying. God sent his son Jesus to die for us, and he sent his son Jesus to die for us, not just so we could get to heaven. If that was the case, we would accept Jesus and drop dead on the spot. But he leaves us on the ground for a while, praise God. For the Bible says that if we live righteous and we do right, that we are granted 70 years and maybe, a, and maybe another 10 by reasonable service. We believe in 400 around here. We believe in God for 100 years around here. Why? Because we got a lot of stuff we need to do for the Lord. Amen. Listen, Psalms 84 and 11 says this. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows or he presents grace and favor and future glory. Honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing would he withhold from them who walks upright. That sounds like a good God. That sounds like a God who wants me blessed. That sounds like a God who is thinking about me. In in the God's Word translation, he says, he does not hold back any blessing. Somebody ought to make that declaration. Say, I declare declare that God holds back back no blessings in my life. Well, you ought to give God some praise for it then. That's a powerful mindset. God's not holding back anything from me. We say this at this church all the time. If God has something for me, I want it. If God doesn't want me to have something, I don't want it. But what I can assure you is that God is not withholding something from me. God's not out there giving, God's not giving me a desire and then stopping me from receiving that desire. Psalms 115, 13 through 15 in the Amplified says, He will bless those who reverently and worshipfully fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase. How? More and more. Not just you, but you and who else? You and your children. Somebody declare this. Say, my children are blessed. Say, my grandkids are blessed. My great-grandkids are blessed. My great-great-grandkids are blessed. Listen, you are living your life today not even for you. You are living your life today for what it's going to do for generations down the road. That Pastor Sean was saying this morning, he was talking about we got to stop living selfish. It's not just about me right now. The things God's asking me to do, I'm obeying God because I realize it has future implications. You make the decision today, and there are things that you may not ever get to see come to pass, but your great-great-grandchildren will be living in the blessing of it because you obey God today. Say, me and my children. God wants you and your children and your grandchildren and your great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren to be blessed. He says, more and more and more, may you be blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
So number one, God wants to bless us. Number two, Jesus came to give us abundant life, not abundant lack. Jesus came to give us abundant life, not abundant lack. And so because he came to give us abundant life, then blessing, prosperity has to be a part of it. He even said to his disciples in John chapter 10, verse 10, the New Living Translation, he says that this purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. The Amplified says that he comes that we might have life and that we may have it more abundantly till it overflows. God wants us to have an overflowing, rich and satisfying life. Amen? Amen. Listen, I know what I'm about to say. We'll, we'll, we'll have all the negative Nancys and all the poor thinking Pauls thinking that I'm trying to get something from you. I'm not trying to get anything from you. What I'm trying to tell you is that God desires for you to have. God desi- Say, God desires for me to have. God wants you to be able to have the things that make you happy. He does. And I know that that is foreign because every time we talk about it on some Facebook Live or somewhere, people are like, oh, I don't know about that. Well, that's why you don't have. Because you have what you believe. So I'm trying to get you to believe God wants you to have abundance. Why? Not just so you can flex on somebody, but God wants you to have abundance because he needs you to do those three things we've been talking about forever. What are the three things God wants to do? He wants to establish his covenant. He wants to promote his kingdom. And he wants to be a blessing to humanity through you. Say, Lord, make me the man. But do you believe that? Because if you just say, Lord, make me the man, and then he makes you the man, and then you get everything and you hoard it, you won't be the man very long. Lord, make me the man. Make me your distribution center. Bless me. I can handle it, Lord. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. Now listen to this. Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, I went back and looked this up this week in several different places because I was like, well, we know that Jesus didn't actually become poor. Amen? Amen. It's impossible for him to become poor because wherever he is and lack is there, he doesn't lack anymore, so he can't be poor. So I'm like, okay, what does this scripture mean? So I went to a a Greek concordance and began to look these words up, and I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, when the verse says, though he was rich, that particular phrase is from the Greek word polosio. It's a Greek word, polosio. And here's what it means. Wealthy and abounding in material resources. So here's what it says. For ye know through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was wealthy and abounding in material resources, yet for your sake he became poor. Now, the other word there uh, in the second reference to the word rich when in scripture, when it says that through his poverty you might be rich, the end of that scripture is the Greek word paluto. And here's what it means it means to be rich, to have abundance of outward possessions, to be richly supplied, to be affluent in resources, so that you can give blessings of salvation to all. Now, watch this. If you read it, it says, For ye know that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was wealthy, abounding in material resources, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich to have abundance of our possessions to be richly supplied and affluent in resources so that he can give blessings of salvation to everybody. He said, I exchanged my position so that you could operate as though I was operating. I'm going back to the father, but I still need somebody to be a blessing to my children. So I became what you were. I exchanged positions with you. You were poor. I became you so you could become me, so you could represent me in the world. He said, I became poor. I was rich. I had wealth. I had abundance. I had everything I needed. He said, but I exchanged positions with you because you didn't have wealth. You didn't have abundance. You didn't have possessions. He said, but I exchanged it to give you what I had, but not just so you could have it, but so that you could be a blessing, bringing about salvation. That word salvation means deliverance. It means deliverance and rescue to all those you encounter. Somebody make this declaration say, I am, I am an, ambassador an ambassador of heaven, heaven. and my, my assignment is to rescue humanity. Oh, I wish I had three people who believe that. I wish I had three people who believe that. My job is to be a rescuer. I am an EMT for everybody who is spiritually hurting. Take it and say, God wants me blessed. Let's look at number three. God wants you blessed financially so you can finance the gospel and help establish his covenant. God wants you blessed financially so you can finance the gospel and help establish his covenant. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says this, but remember the Lord your God. He gives you the ability to produce wealth. That shows that he stands by the terms of his covenant. He promised it with an oath to your people long ago, and he's still faithful to his covenant today. Look, we've been talking about the covenant. We went through a whole series of teaching. It says God is still faithful to his covenant. So if God is still faithful to his covenant and I'm connected to the covenant, God is then faithful to. That's that, that's that critical thinking that we ask kids to understand. If God is faithful to his covenant and I am connected to the covenant, then God is faithful to. So if God is faithful to me, that means God has still showed me how to produce wealth. Whatever, and, I, and the way I produce it may not be the same way you produce it. Nine times out of ten, it won't be. Because God is so strategic, he knows the assignment on our life. Listen, God has enough resources for all of us to be loaded. Amen. Yes. I don't know why being rich makes people feel uncomfortable. It makes people feel so uncomfortable. Why are you uncomfortable? You, you're comfortable applauding for people who are rich, but you're uncomfortable when I tell you God wants you rich. You clap for Beyonce, you clap for Shaquille O'Neal, you clap for all the rich folk, but when I tell you God wants you rich, now you're nervous. God wants you rich. I told Pastor Sean I was reading something about Beyonce the other day, and it, has, it absolutely goes with one of my points I want to make here, and I don't want to jump ahead and, and get out of my, my space, but, but I wanna, it's a good place to put it, so this is where it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So... I was watching this, I saw this picture of Beyonce, and Beyonce had this, this white 
Telfar, or however you pronounce it, bag on, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and she just, it was, it's, I mean, it's not, like, it's not like a Birkin, right? It's a $230 bag. I mean, it ain't, it ain't a lot, right? But because Beyonce had it, the girl who produced the bag, she didn't just sell out of the white bag. Oh, her bags got sold out. Now, why? Because it's Beyonce? Not just because it's Beyonce. If Beyonce couldn't sing and Beyonce was broke and had that bag, you wouldn't know about it. Come on and teach. You wouldn't know about it. You like, poor girl got the little plain white bag. But because it was Beyonce, Beyonce had affluence. Ah. Affluence will bring about influence. The world understands that. It's why when Bill Gates wants something, he just say, I'm Bill Gates. Because he understands that his affluence gives him influence. God says the principle is the same. I need you to be rich so that when you are affluent, you'll allow me to influence. And it won't be the world influencing what's going on. It'll be my kids influencing what's going on. Somebody ought to declare this morning, Lord, send my affluence so I can be your influence. That's why God wants to prosper you. Because imagine if Beyonce shows up and Beyonce says, I need everybody to give to the scholarship fund. We would exceed $50,000 today. And she wouldn't have to give a dime to it. All she had to do is use her affluence to affect her influence. Tell your neighbor, say, God wants me to prosper. Uh-huh. God has given us the ability and the power to produce resources in our lives that will cause us to be affluent so the world will take notice and then begin to listen to our influence. What does it mean to be rich? I looked this up in Webster's Dictionary. It says having abundant possessions, especially material wealth, enough to need no additional aid or outside support. That's what rich is. Rich ain't about how much you have. Rich is about do you have enough to do what God asks you to do. So Tamara's rich may be different than Chris's rich. It could be different than Valley's rich and different than Sedante's rich. Why? Because whatever God's asked them to do, God wants to abundantly supply them with more than enough to do that assignment. And in that, that's what rich is. Am I telling you you're going to have as much money as Jeff Bezos? Probably not if you ain't been called to an assignment that needs you to require that. But, but, but you absolutely could have more than that if that's what God's called you to. But you need to find out, God, what do you need me to do? And what do I need to do to fund it? And then that's when you begin to not beg or plead with him for it. Thank him for it. Let your faith-filled prayers be filled. The fourth reason God wants you to prosper. God wants you honoring him through your financial success. God uses your increase as an opportunity to honor him. This is so true in my life. As God has blessed me financially, I've been able to be a blessing to the people that I love. And as I'm able to be a blessing to the people I love, guess what I want to do? Be more of a blessing. I want to do it again. I want to do it over. I want to do it bigger. That's what God wants for us. God wants us to take the resources that he has shared with us, and he wants us to then 
honor him with those resources. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 in the Amplified Bible says, Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency. It says, From righteous labors and with the first fruits of all of your income, and so shall your storage places be filled with plenty. Now watch this. If I want God to fill my storage places, guess what I got to first have? A storage place. You got to have a storage place. You got to have some place for God to fill. What does that mean? That means I got to start making the decision that I do the natural financial things that I should be doing, like opening up a savings account or a money market account. I don't care if I don't put my $5 a month in it. I got to have some place that God can fill. I can't keep eating every seed I have. The Hebrew word for honor is kabod, and it means to be honorable, to be weighty, to be rich, to be glorious, to be to be unburdensome, and to enjoy honor, to be made abundant, and to get oneself glory or honor. He says, I need you to show me honor. I need, when, when you honor me with your, it needs to be weighty. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I tell people all the time when God asks you for something and God asks you for that gift, don't diminish the amount. I don't care if, it's not, if God says, give me $5. If you give the five, it's weighty because it's done out of obedience. Amen. You don't let people minimize your seed, but you also don't skip on your seed. God didn't say, hey, give me 100. You go, oh, I got 50 for you today. Amen. I, I got plenty of things over 50. I, I, I can get half. We can go half, but I ain't got the whole. No, whatever God asks you for, that's what you give. We honor and glorify God through our financial success. Proverbs 3 and 9 also says to honor the Lord with your first fruit. It says with your capital insufficiency, otherwise known as a job. So, if it, listen, the, I, I, I keep telling people this. Because I've had this conversation with at least four different people. I shouldn't laugh because you know I've had this conversation with at least four different people where they're like, well, I'm waiting on God to give me my dream job. In between that, in between between your dream job, your rent is still due and your car bill is too. You need to find a job doing something. You, You can door dash. You can Uber. You can work at, people say, I can't work at retail. Do you like to eat? Do you like to eat? Because if you like to eat, you do what you have to do in the natural while God is working on the other part. You can work retail. It may not be the most glorious thing, but it's a job. And if you'll be faithful over the little, God will make you ruler over the much. But, 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 but people, they, they, they're, they're in this situation and they, they're like, well, I'm just going to wait on God. Listen, you need to understand waiting on God means consistency. It don't mean just sitting around just waiting for God to do something. Amen? Amen. So we honor God with our financial success. I do what I have to do and I honor God with it so God can promote me. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Look, in verse number nine, he also says this. Uh, the New Living Translation explains it by honoring the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Honoring God with my wealth and the best part of everything that I produce. That's not just money, but that's my entire life. I honor God with the best parts of what I can produce. What do I mean by that? That means that if I'm going to read my Bible, I don't wait till I'm tired. It's to read my Bible. I don't read my Bible as a nightcap to put me to sleep. I honor God with the best part of my day. Now, that may be different for every person. Maybe you're not a morning person, and so 5 o'clock wouldn't be the best part of your day. But whatever the best part of your day is, you ought to be honoring God with that. Yeah. Amen. Number five, 
The fifth reason God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be a consistent tither. He wants to, listen, hear me. He wants to prosper you so that you have the ability to be consistent. He wants, he, he needs you to be a funder and a partner of his local church and his local ministry outreaches. Listen, we don't go real, real hard here uh, on tithing. Like some churches I know and some people I know, you know, we ain't standing up here calling you uh, uh, reprobate and God robber. The Bible says you're a God robber uh, very clearly. But what we say to you is, listen, if you love God, if we can, if you can get you to understand how much God loves you, you don't care about that little 10%. I don't care how much your 10% is. It's little. When you compare what God is doing for you. And so what we say, man, is fall in love with God. Fall in love with God and the thing God wants to do for you, and it will cause you to be a person who becomes consistent about the things of God. And one of those is funding his kingdom. Amen. There's a very famous guy uh, who used to teach uh, about tithing and about different things. And the first time I ever saw him, I won't call his name, you'll know who I'm talking about. The very first time I ever heard him was on a VHS tape at a men's conference. And he was talking to people about how they have to divide their money into these envelopes and, and, and do all this other kind of stuff. And he made this statement at the time that really sounded good. He was like, if you can't fully tithe, then start at like 2 or 3%. Start at where you are, and as God blesses you, then you work your way up till you get to 10%. He was wrong then, and it's wrong now. Amen. Why? Because amen. you don't, amen, black bulb. Because you don't get to change God's word because it's comfortable for you. God said, give me the 10%. It belongs to me. You don't get to decide that because you're comfortable with three, that God ought to be all right with that. The word is the word. Amen? And God wants his people to be tithers. Why? Because it's the same reason that he said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of every single tree in this entire area. But it's just this tree. Just don't touch it. It is not yours. It's mine. It's not yours. It belongs to me. Every other tree, every fruit bearing tree, every herb bearing tree, everything else around here, you can have it. God says if you go to work and you get a paycheck, I can't help what insurance take. I can't help what child support take. I can't help what the state and the federal take. But everything else in that, 10% of that is mine. Don't touch that part. And if you don't touch that part, I'll make this other part so abundant, you will never miss that part. Some of you are missing out on what God has because you're stealing what doesn't belong to you. You're missing out on all that God has for you because you're stealing what doesn't belong to you. How can I say that? The Bible says in Malachi 3 and 10, bring all the tithe, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse that there may be food in mine house. Improve me now by it, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says, bring everything to me. There is no asterisk in Malachi 3.10. There's no parentheses. It says if you're struggling, 5% is okay. It, it, there's, 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 there's no quotation marks to say if you got a vacation coming up this month, I'll just take half. He says bring ye all the time. 
And if you bring all the tithe, he blesses you with so much more than what you would have had if you had robbed him of the tithe in the first place. Take never say, God wants me blessed so I can be consistent in my giving. Amen. Amen. Number six. Why does God want us to prosper? God wants you to be able to care for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. Tell your neighbor, say, God, God cares, cares about the needy. He does. And he's impressing upon me more and more and more and more about how much he cares about the needy. I know the Bible says that the poor will be with you always. He didn't say we would always be the poor. Did you hear me? That's a difference. He says, he says, beloved, the poor will be with you always. He didn't say you will always be the poor. And so because the poor will always be with us, the poor needs to be cared for. And who better to care for the poor than the rich? Amen. I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm going to be the rich. I, 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 taking care of the poor. I, I, if, if, if I got to be one of the, I'm the rich. Taking care of the poor, fulfilling the third part of those reasons he wants me blessed, to be a blessing to humanity through me. The Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 17, it says, He that hath pity upon the poor, he lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given, will he pay him again. The Lord says, literally, if you are kind to the poor, if you do what I ask you to do where they are concerned and don't judge whether they deserve it of it, just know it don't, none of this belongs to us anyway. We're all just stewards anyway. And he said, if you were steward over what I've given you, when I tell you to give it to somebody, he says, I'll pay you back. Yes. Now think about this. He's, cause, cause let's, just, let's just think about this, right? It's Chandra's money. Chandra says, hey, I need you to take this $100 of mine and give it to Clarissa. I do it, then she pay me for using her money. There is no better financial plan than that. That's how good God is. God says, I'm going to give you, it's my money, it all belongs to me. But if you'll use my money to be a blessing, I'll bless you. I'll give it back to you. Who can I bless? You ought to be walking around looking who you can bless. God wants you to take care of those less fortunate. James 1.27 says external religious worship. Religion as it is expressed in outward acts, that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God. The Father is this. Here is what true worship is. It is to visit and help and care for the orphans and widows in their affliction and need. And to keep oneself unspotted and uncontaminated from the world. In other words, don't get jaded. Just, be, just because somebody, somebody schemed somebody one time, that don't mean everybody's scheming. There was a young lady who, who, who made a phone call and she, she was basically saying, hey, I need some pull-ups, some diapers, and chicken nuggets. Do you know of anybody in the area who can help me with that? Pastor Sean was like, look, I don't care if you're trying to scheme or not. The fact that you only ask for diapers, pull-ups, and chicken nuggets, we ain't sending you to no agency. Here you go. Mm -hmm. you, gotta, you can't let the world contaminate you into thinking that every time somebody asks for something, they're trying to scheme. If you lend, and because God said so, God's obligated to repay you, not them. Somebody make this declaration. Say, I can never, I can never be, schemed be schemed out of giving, out of giving when God says so. 
I cannot. I cannot be tricked out of give. Listen, if God tells me to give, I give. Why? Because you can't scheme God. The Bible says in James 1.27 in the New Living Translation, it says religion that pleases God the Father must be pure and spotless. You must help. You must help. You must help needy orphans and widows and not let this world make you evil. Not let this world make you evil. I know it's a whole bunch of crooks and, and schemers and scammers and hustlers out here, but you can't make the world make you evil thinking that everybody's trying to get out on you. You just got to be open enough to hear God. Amen? The Bible says in Exodus 22 and 22, it says, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, verse 23, and they cry out unto me, I will surely hear their cry. Tell them, you got to watch how you treat people. You got to watch how you treat people. The Bible, they used to say us all the time in the coaching church, you might be entertaining angels. I never really knew what that meant at first. But they were really saying, you got to be careful how you treat people. You don't know who you're interacting with. God says, if they cry out to me, I'm going to hear they cry. And, and, and this ain't no veil threat. He's just like, listen, I'm telling you how to treat my people. And if you treat them wrong and they cry out to me, I'm going to hear them. And you don't want to be on my bad side. So let's just all do right and treat people right. Amen. And then lastly, number seven, the last reason. Let me get out of here. Why does God want you to prosper? Why does God want you blessed? Because God wants to be the he God wants you to be the head and not the tail. God, as part of his covenant, is for you to be the head and not the tail. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, 10 through 13, in the Amplified, it says, And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name and in the presence of the Lord, and thou shalt be afraid of you. God says, I need you to be blessed. I need people to know my hand is on you. I need people to know that my hand rests on your life so that they will understand that there are some things they can't do to you. I need the world to know you are mine. All the people of the earth, not just those in your family, not just those in your neighborhood or even in your local church. He says all, all means everybody you come in contact with, they shall know that you are called by my name. Say, I am. Called by his name. Listen, you can't be a closet Christian and expect to be blessed. You can't be a closet Christian and expect to prosper. You can't be all namby-pamby and, and, and want to fit in with the world and then want God's blessing. You got to be able to boldly declare, I serve the Lord. I gladly serve the Lord. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of salvation. I am not afraid. I serve God. I love God. I want to praise him. Verse 11 says, and the Lord shall make you to have, I love this, a surplus of prosperity through the fruit of your body, of your livestock, of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. He says, God says, literally, I will make you have a surplus. Now, all of us know what a surplus is. Somebody say more than enough. He says, I'll make you to have more than enough. Well, if God's going to give you more than enough, then there's got to be a reason for the more than enough. It is for you to be a blessing to other people. It's for you to be a blessing. 
He says, I'll give you more than enough, more than enough surplus. You know, I, I used to always have this thing, and it's probably because of my upbringing and some other stuff. I was like, you don't need all that. I used to always say, you don't need all that. Pashon, you say, yes, you do. I used to say, you don't need all that. You don't, you, don't, you, don't need no, you don't need no 10 purses. You don't need no 12 purses. You don't need all that. But yes, you do need all that. Say, I need all that. Why, why do you need all that? Because you may be asked to be a blessing to someone who needs it. And the store may be closed. And you may have to go in your storehouse and get what they need. Amen? You may have to go in your storehouse and get what they need. So, yes, you need all of that. And God wants you to have all of that. God wants you to get out of this selfish mentality of Christianity where only you want to be blessed and just have enough for you. Verse 12, he says, the Lord shall open to you his good treasury. My God. Now, now anybody who got a treasury got some money. That's how you can't tell me Jesus was broke. Jesus wasn't broke. He had a whole person who took care of all his finances. He says, the Lord shall open up to you his good treasury. What is his good treasury? The heavens. He said, he'll give you rain of your land in his season. And you know that represents abundance and plenty. He says he will bless all the work of your hands. Tell your neighbor, say, that's why you got to do something. That's why if you, can't get, if you can't find a job of your dreams, find a job of your now. Amen. He said he'll bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations. But you shall not what? Because if you borrow, you have to be in lack. He says you won't be in lack. There's a way to live that God says you will have more than enough. Verse 13 says, and the Lord shall make you the head, praise God, Hallelujah. and not the tail. You should be above only, and you should not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and are what? Watchful to do them. He says, if you observe to do them, or if you're watchful to do them. So all of these promises are what? Conditional. They're conditional. You don't just get to come to church and then live any kind of way and expect to get this. He says, no, the way this happens is I command you that you're going to have to be a person who heeds the commandments of the Lord and you have to be watchful enough to do the commands that he gives you. The problem with having your head in the sand and not obeying God is that you leave other areas of your life exposed. If you bury your head in the sand, and you just act like I don't have any problems, I don't have any issues, I'm not going to read the word because I don't, it's too tough to read and I'm not going to pay attention to it because I just don't want to do it. I'm just going to put my head in the sand. You leave your whole life exposed. And God is literally saying to you, I have a system in place where you can partner with me. I will cause you to be the head and not the tail. I will cause you to have an abundant supply and you will never have lack. I can cause you to be in great health and have a great family and a prosperous life all because you obey my commandments. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Obedience, Obedience is the pathway, pathway. to blessings. blessings. It is. It's the pathway to blessings. God wants you prosperous. Thank you, Lord. But God wants you obedient. God loves you so much that he'll love you even if you don't obey him. 
but his principles are rooted in who he is, and he cannot subjugate them even for you. So yes, God loves me. Yes, I have the ability to do whatever I want to do. I can live any way I want to, but even though he loves me immensely, he won't subjugate his policies, procedures that he set up in the kingdom. Not even for you. But what he promises, what he guarantees his reputation on, is that if you will join with him, if you will be in him, he says peace will be in your life. And we know that word peace means what? Nothing missing and nothing broken. Listen, as we close, go ahead and do this. Say, Father God, I thank you that everything I need, I already have it. Now give God some praise like you believe that.